I wonder if you all would uh, help me do something this morning. Uh, as I'm standing here this morning, I'm, I've been so moved and so grateful in my heart. One of the things that I absolutely love about the Gate Church is the way that we worship. I'm so grateful, profoundly grateful for the seeds of worship, the belief and the faith in worship that has been planted in this house for so many years. And uh, I'm so grateful that we get to reap the reward of that every Sunday. And what that means is how do you reap the rewards of something like that? It means it's easy to worship. Uh, I don't know about y'all, and, and I don't mean this in any form to be condemning, but there's some places you go, it's not so easy to worship. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's as stiff as a two-by-four that's been left in the Mojave Desert for 20 years. That thing is just tough. But I love the Gate Church because we're going to go for it. We might, we might not do a lot of things, but one thing we are going to do is we're going to worship. And the core, the gate, the foundation, the members, the pillars, the elders of this house, you don't have to prod them. You don't have to cheerlead them. You don't have to poke them to get them to do it. You just hit a note, and we're going to go for it. With that in mind, I am so grateful for the praise and worship team of the Gate Church this morning. Can you all help me say thank you? There we go. I'm talking about a real thank you. Come on now. Thank you so much. It's good to show honor where honor is due. Amen. Now, if you, if you have your Bibles with you today, if you don't mind, I'd like to open up to the book of First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're just going to read a very short passage in verse 16. Verses 16, 17, and 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses 16 through 18. Whenever you found it, please say amen. All right, all right. I encourage you, bring your Bibles to church. I got one veteran believer right over there that said amen. It's good to bring your Bible to church. It's good to learn that book, to treasure that book. So if you got it on your phone, we don't hold it against you. That's all right. I don't know about you, but I can just about find it faster flipping the page than I can trying to punch in Thessalonians. I'm a little dyslexic, so typing Thessalonians is an absolute nightmare. Any dyslexic folk in the crowd feel my pain? It's all right. Don't be embarrassed. Listen, we're there. We're pushing through. We, you know what I love about dyslexic folk? We learned something we wanted to. You got to work hard at that thing now. Come on. God, help us all. Enough of this folly. Let us read together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. It simply says this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. 
In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I love this because Paul is winding down his thoughts to the Thessalonians. And in his parting thoughts as he's summarizing, he leaves us with this very powerful sentence. And so today, I hope to impress upon you some of the same things that Paul hoped to impress upon the Thessalonians. So many of you know we're in our sermon series, Cutting Wood. And the idea behind cutting wood is that we live in a day of convenience where uh, we don't need to cut wood unless it's by choice. But for for so, so long through history, cutting wood was a requirement for life. Because the fire in the home or the, the fire outside the tent, that was the engine, that was the source, that was the, is what we disinfected our water with and cooked our food and made ourselves warm on cold nights. And somebody somewhere had to get the axe, get the hatchet, get the stone and bust the wood. I wonder, can I, is there anybody who would wave at me and say, I had to cut wood growing up. Any folk in the house that had to cut wood growing up, I see them hands. You keep waving. Let me see over here. Yes, sir, right there in the hat. I see you cutting wood, busting wood. Yes, sir, Mr. Landreth. Yes, sir, Mr. Hughes had to cut wood growing up. And don't you know that there are some spiritual principles that they are like cutting wood. They're not always glamorous. They're not always attractive. They're things that require something from us even when we don't feel like it. But if we're willing, if we say yes to God's principles and God's ideas, it will produce life in myself before you. And Lord, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to teach and to preach the word. But Holy Spirit, I can't change anyone's life. Only you can do that. Only the word can do that. And so I ask that you use me. Lord, we open our hearts to you to receive. That's a really good place for you to pray with me. Lord, we open our hearts to your word, to your voice. Holy Spirit, teach us and guide us through the Holy Scriptures. Lord, I promise you all the glory and all the honor. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you so much, Sarah. I have just a few brief thoughts that I would like to share with you today on the topic of prayer. And so we have discussed the idea and the principle of seeking God and that something that's required of us as believers, as disciples, as as sons and daughters of the faith is that we are required and it is understood that we are to seek after God with all of our heart and that God is not a supernatural Santa Claus and he's not the mighty McDonald's in the sky where we zip in to his presence. Give me a number two, no mayonnaise, extra ice in the drink and make it quick. I'm out of here and back to my life. God is a holy God. He's an eternal God. He holds the world in his hand and his enemies are being made his footstool. And I don't know who I think I am or who you think you are that we can treat him with such disregard in that he's here to serve us rather than us 
to serve Him. That's strong medicine right out of the gate this morning. And with no pun intended, I believe that that's who we are and who we're called to be in this house as a people that we, through maturity, we willingly embrace what can sometimes be difficult on the front end truths. But I love you enough this morning to endeavor to tell you the truth that our God is worth seeking. He is holy and He is righteous and the reward that stands to be gained from seeking him is so tremendous in that there's nothing else we can use to compare or describe what it is like when we find him when he finds us when we connect with him and when we learn from him and when he shapes us and he molds us what greater privilege is there than to seek and run after God. And one of the things that we've also discussed this month is that after, as we, dis, as we seek God, we discover that He has a purpose for us. That there's, there's not two of you. There's not two of me. There's never been a blade of grass, a rose, or a tree. That there no two are the same. There's no animal. There's not even a cow, y'all. I know sometimes we ride through the plains and we think, look at all those black Angus cows out on the range. My goodness, when I go to Yukon and I drive by Mr. Funk's place and I look at all those big, fat, happy beef cows, they all look the same. But did you know that in God's eyes, no two are the same? And I need to remind you today that no two people are the same because God doesn't manufacture things. He grows them. And one of the things that makes you unique is not just your DNA code. It's not your biology. It's not your blood lineage. One of the things that makes you unique and makes you special is that God has formed a purpose for you. And that, in fact, before you were, your purpose and his need of you, the calling, the vocation of your life had already been set and already been established. The writer says that in my mother's womb, you knew me and you formed me. Jeremiah, God says to Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. And so you need to know today that you have a purpose and that when you seek after the Lord, you will begin to discover the great gift of purpose. And we've also discussed the dynamic of as we're seeking Him and as we're uh, endeavoring to live a life of purpose, it is required of us that we pour out, that we give our lives away, and that fulfillment in God's kingdom is not always being full, and it's not always measured by materialism or prosperity in the natural world, that fulfillment in God's kingdom is when you have poured out every last drop that he's given you onto your fellow man and those that God has asked you to love. And who would we be? as Christ's followers, to deny this when it is our master who, as he hung on the cross, he poured out his very last drop of blood so that all of mankind could be fully redeemed and fully restored. I need to remind somebody today that you can have peace as you live a life of purpose because for every bit that you pour, Christ will refill. He will replenish. He will rejuvenate you at every turn. And so as we live a life of purpose, we can have peace. 
And so as we have discussed purpose and peace today, I want to pivot and talk some about the practicality of prayer. Prayer. Prayer is a subject that, uh, as a minister, I have to confess, it's almost intimidating in this sense. We could speak, we could talk about, we could minister, we could study the scriptures about prayer for months. If we gathered every day for six months focusing on prayer, studying prayer, reading the scripture, and then practicing the act of prayer, we could do it every day for six months. And while we would certainly learn, we would progress, we still would not yet have learned and covered all that there is to know about prayer. And so I have just these few brief minutes with you. And so I don't claim that my word to you today will be comprehensive in that it will cover all the things that must be said of prayer. However, it does come from my heart. And I have done my best to be led by the Holy Spirit. And what do we need to say today about prayer? And so I have some verses I'll be sharing with you along the way. But here's what I encourage you to do. Pull out a notebook and a pen. Pull out the notes app on your phone. And let's jot down some thoughts together. And I trust that in the days to come that the Holy Spirit will stir up within you some of these ideas. And that the Holy Spirit will lead you further down the path of prayer. And so I'd like to begin by simply saying this. What is prayer? Because I don't know about you, I grew up in the old church, in the mountain church, the hillbilly church. We were church of God folk, and we were holy, and we were Pentecostal. So on Sundays, we weren't hillbillies, we were thrillbillies. <laughs> you don't know the half of it. You ain't la- you're, you're laughing because you wasn't there. I've seen such amazing things growing up because the people who I went to church with, they were not a lot of things, but they were people of prayer people of prayer my goodness if I just may you won't know them but I have to give honor to some of the old veterans of my old church of God family my pastor's name growing up was a man named Jarvis Bennett people called him Jardy Jarvis Bennett from Rabin County in the middle of nowhere. I promise y'all, you're going to have a hard time finding it on the map. He was a man of prayer. He prayed with such zeal and such passion. One of the most passionate men I've ever known. He's about 6'2", and he's a lanky white man who was known for, in his rougher days, he was a boxer and a fighter. His name was Terry Eller. And when this man would preach, it was like I would, when I was a little kid and I would watch him preach and I'd watch him pray, it was like watching Elijah call down fire from heaven. He had such zeal. He would pray and his whole body would shake. He had such zeal for the Lord because the Lord delivered him from alcoholism. Set totally free, never went back, never glanced back, never touched it again. The Lord delivered him in an instant. And he had such zeal and passion. There was a woman who, she was so old even when I was little, but she would pray and the sick would be healed. And I actually don't know her proper name. I just knew what we called her in the hills and we called her Maldesi. Maldesi. Ma like Grandma. Maldessi, and she was a little, she was an old, shriveled lady, and she would walk like this. But you, if you went to go see her, she lived in a, 
sort of like a cabin. You could see air through some of the walls. But if you go see her, she'd pray for you, you'd be healed. Never went to school. Didn't have theology books. She had the scriptures. And she had a passion to pray. And when she prayed for the sick, they would be healed. And there was a woman named Tina Underwood who was an intercessor. Her and her sister Maddie. Uh, I remember watching them in the altars growing up. They would groan and travail believing that the lost would be saved. When you popped up on their radar for having been caught in sin, you better look out. Because they're going to go to their prayer closet and they're going to call your name. You might be running the roads, chasing women and drinking booze, but them underworld girls was going to be praying for you. And you know what? Us bunch of wild ones, we tried to run, but we wound up back in the house of God because praying mamas wouldn't let go of the altar. My mama prayed for me every single day. She had note cards pinned to the visor in her old Ford Tempo. And going to school every day, she would pull down them note cards and hold them on the steering wheel. This is the country, y'all, okay? There ain't any more than nobody on the road. And so she'd hold it right on top of the steering wheel while she was driving. And she would pray over me. My son is the head and not the tail. He's above and not beneath. He's blessed coming and blessed going. He's the healed of the Lord because Jesus bore stripes for our healing. And he was bruised for our iniquity. My son will serve the Lord the longest day he lived. And I thought I was going to get the last laugh at 17 running around in my Toyota with my ACDC blaring. But the prayers of my mama overcame the songs of Angus Young. Come on, somebody. And I've never known anyone as faithful in prayer as my father, Greg. Greg Roberts. He didn't grow up in the house of the Lord. He grew up in a dysfunctional family. But when his life was touched by the Lord, I am thankful today for God's faithfulness. I was not even alive yet, and God was being faithful to Greg. And here I stand today reaping the reward of my daddy was working in masonry. He would build building houses, doing foundations, digging in the footings in the red Georgia clay of them Appalachian mountains. He'd get the footings straight, the sweat pouring from his body while he would pour concrete and then he would come home utterly exhausted, dirt caked under his ears and on his arms and coming after a long summer day the third week of August he would walk up the stairs to his prayer closet and I remember listening to him shut that door and listening to him pray in tongues calling out crying out to the Lord Lord use me Lord send me Lord teach me and I remember having to turn up the ESPN over the sound of my daddy praying in his prayer closet and dad met my, my the Lord met my dad who was a simple man who only had a GED who only had a GED and my the Lord turned my dad in from, from a road runner and a drug dealer into a man of God who is a pastor to this day when he prays people get healed why did I take time to tell you these stories? Is because I know that there is power in prayer. And that when you set and determine in your heart, I'm going to be a person of prayer, you better hold on to your hat, Miss Francis, because things in your life 
are going to change. Because if God will use simple country folk from the hills of Appalachia, I know that He'll use me and He'll use you. Who are those people in the scale and in the mind of history? They're nameless. They're no one. But God was faithful to their prayers. And I want you to hear me today. You may think I'm a nobody. Nobody sees me. Nobody hears me. You know, I ain't never been called one time by a politician's campaign asking me what I think about an issue. But I know that even when Washington doesn't listen to me, the Jehovah God of the universe is always listening. There's times when the people in my life don't see me and don't listen to me. And I'm not a victim because of that. It's human nature. It's true for me. It's true for you. But God is always listening. Growing up with this rich exposure to prayer, I had some ideas about prayer that were not good. They were not accurate. They were not clear. So if I may, what is prayer? Prayer is songs. You can sing a prayer. A prayer is a spoken word. The fruit of your lips, the words of your mouth can become prayer. Just think of all the things you've ever talked about in your life. You can use that same mouth and those same words to connect to an eternal God. What an amazing thought. But I also want to submit to you that it can be written word as well. We have this book called Psalms. That's the prayer life, mostly, of a man named David. And so it can be a song, a spoken word, or a written word that is focused directly on God. And so I would say this for practicality purposes, that the written word is a great place for us to practice transparency and honesty. Because I don't know about you, Let me just give me a quick disclaimer. I'm going to be really honest with you about prayer today. Is that okay? So the preacher's going to be honest. Imagine that. Uh, I've learned something in prayer that especially when I first started trying to build my prayer life in an intentional way, I figured out I was absolutely terrible at telling God the truth. And that I most of the time was more religious when I was talking to Him than I was talking to you. And I learned something about human nature that day, that the brokenness and the iniquity of human nature, we're bent towards lying. Our flesh doesn't even want to tell God the truth. And so what happened in the garden when man had sinned? God comes down and says, Adam, where are y'all at? Peeks over from the bushes. What? Trying to hide from God? Adam, what's going on? What are y'all doing running around wearing them leaves for? He says, well, it's that woman you give me. The brokenness of our flesh wants to lie. And so the written word, sometimes it's easier to write a thing than to say it. It's a good place to start practicing transparency and honesty. The spoken word is so powerful because the scripture says that life and death lies in the power of the tongue. And so I need to remind some believers in here today, some veteran believers may have forgot, and then some, some younger, traveling, developing believers, maybe you just need to hear for the first time that you have the ability to change your life based on what you say and who you're saying it to. That good preaching right there. 
my brother right there is filling me. That is some good preaching right there. You have the ability to change your life based on what you say and who you say it to. The spoken word is versatile, ready to go at a moment's notice. You don't need to be warmed up, fired up, cheerleaded up. You can start praying at the drop of a hat. When I see that person limping a little bit, I don't have to wait for the choir. I don't have to wait for the band. I don't even have to wait for Ashley to hit a hallelujah. I can open my mouth and start speaking healing over someone's life. I need to remind somebody today that this right here that I'm carrying around, these lips may not look like much, and I've had to work real hard to try to make this tongue as eloquent as I've got it to be at this point. But there is a sword that is in this mouth. There is a scepter that is in this mouth. I need to remind somebody that the Word of God in your mouth is as powerful as the Word of God is in His mouth. And so you have great power on your lips to pray at any moment. And songs become prayer when the lyrics that we're singing reflect the cry of our heart. And you're saying, I thought that's what worship was. And I'm going to get some veteran believers to help me say amen this morning. But I just need to go ahead and let you know that many times the lines between worship and prayer are quite blurry. And that the more you do it, the further you go, the longer you push in and press in, you'll find yourself praying and you'll find yourself singing. And you may say, i got to write that down, what God told me. Yes, Lord, I agree with that in my heart. I'll raise a hallelujah. And it's just this river that we walk in and that we flow in. And as the Holy Spirit leads us, we're in and out and up and down. And it's the richness of prayer. So don't put yourself in a box. Follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. Follow your heart, the, the small, still voice in your heart, the best of your ability. And you'll know when to speak. You'll know when to sing. And you'll know when to write. I want to remind you of Psalm 55 and verse 17 that says this. Psalm 55 and 17. Evening and morning and at noon, I offer my complaint and moan because he hears my voice. I just want to give you a quick touch this morning and remind you that no matter who you are, no matter where you are, and no matter what you got to say, God is always listening. God is always listening. I say that to give hope to some of you because you wonder, God, have you heard me? God, have you heard me? You need to hear it from the preacher that yes, God always hears anytime you're praying to Him. He always hears. I went through a season in my life where I was doing a lot of crying and a lot of moaning. And I felt bad about that sometimes. And I felt like, you know, maybe I was a burden to the Lord. Anybody ever felt like that? Come on, let's be honest in the house of God today. Let's not lie. You feel like you're a burden by God. I feel like sometimes all I do is come to you with my problems and always crying and moaning the blues. But you know, then I read the scripture that said that even the hairs of my head are numbered. I don't have as many to number as I once did. I am grateful for what I still got though. Deeply grateful. More precious and precious as the days and years go by. If he'll number the hairs of my head, then that means that he's listening to every word out of my mouth. And you might say, well, you're comparing apples to oranges. Well, not necessarily because the scripture also says that he keeps all of my tears in a bottle. 
Now, I don't know when you get to heaven that there will be an actual glass bottle somewhere and it's going to say Jordan's tears on it. That's probably not the case. I think the writer is using a poetic metaphor to simply say this. There is no ounce of pain that you have ever felt. There's no discomfort. There's no struggle. There's no obstacle that you've ever bumped up against and said, God, I don't like this, that God wasn't right there saying, yes, I see it. Yes, I hear it. And I know, and I'm compassionate and merciful towards you. I need to remind some people today, you may be praying through a difficult season. You may say, I feel like all I'm doing doing is moaning and crying the blues. Here's just what I want to say. You just keep going. Keep going and don't quit because God is not overwhelmed with our pain. He's not overwhelmed with the difficulties that we face. He doesn't become overwhelmed when we feel confused and lost. As a matter of fact, He encourages us. When you don't have anything else to do, run to me. Because God is always listening. Always, always listening. I want to tell you a little bit, two very brief thoughts about what prayer is not. My sigh reflects my remembrance of how I had to learn what prayer is not the hard way. Prayer is not wish list time some of y'all's prayer list looks like your Amazon wish list and you just keep adding to the list trusting that when God gets around to it he's going to start giving you your wish list I need to speak to some young people today because I love you and, and, and I was very hard headed uh, in younger years and, and years uh, not too far away uh, I was hard-headed. I had a hard time getting this through my head that God is not moved by our desire for materialism. Uh, because if God, He made all the world, its goodness, its fullness, all of creation, He made as a gift to us. And He doesn't seek to withhold any good thing, emphasis on good thing, from us. But you also need to remember that God is a spiritual being. God's not a tree. He's not a cow. He's not a silverback gorilla swinging through the Congo. And he's not a lion running the Serengeti in Africa. He's just not because he's a spirit. The Bible says he's spirit and he's life. And so it's, it's a bit counterintuitive for us to always go to a supernatural God wanting material things. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be cared for. But He has many other things that He wants you to have as well. And those things can't always be seen with the eye or touched with the hand. And so here's some confidence that you need to have. And and you say, I need money, I need clothes, I need food. The Lord knows that. And here's how we know that. Matthew 6 and 8 says that your Father knows the things that you need before you ever ask. And so let me help trim a limb or two off of your prayer tree. Why don't you just cut all the material things that you need off of your prayer list? Because the scripture says he already knows. And so if it helps you, this is some things I started praying. I had to train myself to not pray and to always be seeking material things. And so I would just say, okay, God, I know that you see all the things that I need. I say it for myself. He already knows that. I'm saying, God, I know that you know. Now on to other things. 
And here's something else that prayer is not. Prayer is not asking God to fix everyone else. There's some married folk in here. That, that, listen, I feel like that went to the back wall. I'm going to say that one more time. Prayer is not asking God to fix everyone else. It's kind of prideful when you pray to that, God, if you would just fix this about them, then everything would be fine. That's so prideful because you're assuming that you have the ability to properly diagnose what is actually wrong in them. That alone is prideful. And I can't get no help over here. Let me try over here. There's some married folk in here that you got out of the bed just for that right there today. Your prayer life will go to another level when you quit going to God and saying, God, please fix that hard-headed, stubborn, depressed, quiet man. God, please fix him, fix him, fix him. God is in heaven saying, Sister, I hear you and I feel your pain. But I'm not in the fixing people business. God is in the healing, restoring, and redeeming people business. And so you know it, and I know it. There's people in my life, y'all listen, I got my list too. And some of y'all might be on it. I got a list of people that they need fixing. But here's what I've learned to pray. Okay, I can't fix them. God can't unless they let him. So what do we do? Here's what I've started to pray. God, help me to love them the way that you love them. God, give me something so that when I get around their anxiety and their sarcasm and their bad attitude. Give me something so that when they give me the bad, I give them something good. Because when I go to God with my complaining and my moaning and my crying the blues, the Scripture says that He trades my sorrows. He takes my ashes. He gives me beauty. He gives me a garment of praise. And so when you go to God with difficult things, He gives you good things in return. And so if I want to be like Jesus, I need to start looking at the people in my life and say, God, help me to love them the way that you love them. Help me to have mercy for them the way that you have mercy for them. I ain't getting no help over here today. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. God, help me to have compassion for them. Lord, put a word in my mouth so that I can communicate your love to them because I'm not in the business of fixing people. I'm in the business of trying to love people the way that Jesus has loved me. Who is it that we should be praying for, preacher man? Uh, For the sake of time, I'm not going to read you all these verses, but in James and Romans, it teaches us that we should always be praying for one another. That's the household of faith, your brothers and sisters in Christ, the people in this room, and the people of faith who are outside of this room. It says we should continually be praying for one another. The Scripture teaches us in Ephesians and in Colossians that we should continually be praying for pastors and spiritual leaders. I'm going to speak for some of the pastors in the room today. Please pray for us. Please, we don't have it figured out. Being a pastor is one of the hardest jobs in the world. 
Now I am getting some help over here. Thank you, Miss Marcia. Being a pastor is one of the most difficult jobs in the world. I don't have all the answers. I don't know why things didn't go your way. I don't know why things are so hard sometimes. And you're coming to me wanting the answers. I want to help you. I want to bless you. I want to love you. But God bless America. I need Jesus' help to be a pastor. Can I just say something to the church folk? Please pray for your pastor. This pastor is saying pray and pray hard. Pray for Jordan, pray for Holly, pray for our marriage, pray for our home, pray for my children. Please pray for my children. We need it. I don't glow in the dark. I put my boots on the same way you did this morning. I had to put milk in my Cheerios just like you did this morning. I couldn't point my finger and go, oh, and Holy Ghost milk came in my Cheerios. I had to get up, rub my eyes, wanted to get, stay in the bed and go, no, I got to go preach. I need the joy of the Lord. So pray. Please pray. Y'all going to pray. I'm going to get y'all here. Y'all going to pray for me? Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We need it. We need it. Wow. And you know, it's something that troubles me deep in my heart is on social media, we feel we're always entitled to an opinion. Who knew that humans were so opinionated? 20 minutes on Facebook, man, it makes you want to vomit. I want to say something to the gate church as your shepherd. I'm going to ask you to do something. There are a lot of pastors and spiritual leaders in this world that are controversial people. They say things that sometimes we flat out don't agree with. Sometimes they're politics we don't agree with. Sometimes they teach things in their churches that we theologically disagree with. I want to ask you something as the gate church. Please. Don't let social media become a platform for you to criticize other churches and other spiritual leaders. Don't do that. And you might say, well, I just cut a little bit off of their robe. They just needed a little attitude adjustment. I want to remind you that David repented for even cutting off a piece of Saul's robe because he said, who am I that I should even think about touching the Lord's anointed? I need to remind you something about pastors. Whether you like them or not, they're called. When they make mistakes and say dumb things and buy dumb things and all the dumb things that people do, they're still picked and they're still anointed. And my counsel to you is keep your mouth off of them. Keep the negative judgment of your heart and your mind off of them and just back up and say, Lord, you picked them. I'm going to trust you to deal with them. I want to stay pure and clean before you. Then hit your knees and call their names and say, Lord, they seem to be struggling. Lord, I pray you give them clarity. I plead a hedge of protection around them. I protect them by the blood of Jesus that he'll protect them from evil voices and people praying on their weaknesses. I wonder what would happen in America if we would quit chewing on our preachers at the lunch buffet and we would start interceding for the men and women that God has given to lead us all. Instead of criticizing, we ought to pray for our pastors and our spiritual leaders. My goodness, that felt good, didn't it? The other people that we should be praying for, the Scripture tells us clearly in 1 Timothy that we should be praying for the sick. Pray for the sick. Listen to me, I'm going to be really bold. 
I love people in the medical profession. I truly do. And people in the medical profession are some of my oldest and closest friends. I believe that the work, the stated goal of the medical profession is honorable and it can be made righteous because I believe that all healing is God's healing. And so if I am in the jungles of Burma and I lay hands on you and the cold and flu leaves your respiratory system, I believe that God was behind that healing. If you drink you a little Dimetap and it clears your respiratory and you're able to go on with your life, I believe God's like, I'm really glad y'all figured out how to use Dimetap properly. Good job. Because God wants us healed. God wants us healed. I don't believe that pursuing medicine is contrary to faith. I believe God just wants people healed. And so here's what I want to say. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You want the shot, get the shot. Just know, you answer for God before God for your choices, for your words, and for your deeds. I'm not going to answer for you. But here is what I will say. We are commanded to pray for the sick. And our Lord and our Master, He walked among the sick. He touched the lepers. His disciples, after He left, they walked among the sick. They prayed for the sick. They were not afraid to touch the leper because they knew this, that He who is in me is greater than He that is in the world. And I believe that because those apostles, those disciples were men and women of prayer, that's why their shadows were healing people. And so I need to remind the gay church today that take the diamond tap, wear the mask, but you come in here sick, you better watch out because I'm going to lay my hand on you and I'm going to pray for you because my scripture and my Lord tells me that when I see someone sick, I'm going to pray for them. So here's what we need to know about praying for the sick. You can't heal nobody and neither can I. So you can pray boldly because whether you holler it or whether you whisper it, I ain't healing them either way. But I can pray with boldness. I can pray with faith. And I can pray with confidence knowing the scripture has told me this is what we should do. So whether you got a sniffle or whether you got a laceration the size of Texas across your belly, I'm going to pray for you. And I know this, that God's word in my mouth is as powerful as it is in his mouth. And and can I just say something that when I was young, I, I, I saw people miraculously healed with my eyes. I've seen miracles, true miracles. And when, and I wanted to do that so bad. Yes, sir, I will. Don't mess with me. Me and Thomas, we quick draw each other. I want to do that so bad. But I was afraid. You know what, you already know without me saying it, what I was afraid of, because it's the same thing you're afraid of. What happens if I pray and it don't happen? It took me a while to get over that one. It really did. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. It took me the longest time. So take a breath. It's okay. I fought that fight. You have had to fight that fight. But guess what I've learned? You're darn tootin' that I didn't do it. 
I can't do it. And so you never will see anybody healed if you're constantly walking around afraid that if I do it, it's not going to happen. Better to take a step of faith, trusting that God will meet you. Keep your eyes on Him and just take a step out the boat and trust that God will keep you and God will cause it to come to pass in His way. The Bible tells us in Matthew and in Acts that we should pray for our enemies. Not condemn them on social media, as I've already stated. I had good preaching right there. Pray for your enemies. So you know what you need to do for those Democrats? Pray. You know what you need to do for them Republicans? You need to pray. Did you hear what I just said? Because when Christians campaign, we campaign in the Spirit. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. I, I just need to remind somebody today that you're, you might fulfill your civic duty when you go to the ballot box, but you fulfill your calling. You fulfill your vocation. You fulfill your identity. You fulfill your discipleship when you hit your knees and pray for people who are your enemies. My goodness, somebody record that, repeat that, copy that, put that on Twitter, put it everywhere. Because that is what the body of Christ needs in this day. The scripture tells us in Genesis, Matthew, and Luke that we should pray for everyone. And here's what that means. There's a time for us to cry out and to lift up the world around us. You can pray for the whole world. Isn't that amazing? Even social media won't let you do that. But you can pray to God for the whole world. And say, God, restore us, keep us, heal us. Lord, only you can lead all seven billion of us in the right direction at the same time. I stirred some faith in some people right there. I could feel that. There's some of you, you felt that. You caught that. I'm going to encourage you. Don't you think you're too little to pray for the world and to pray for the nations? And then in 1 Timothy, it says we should pray for ourselves. Pray for ourselves. I need to let somebody know today, you don't need to feel guilty for praying for you. You don't need to feel guilty to pray for you. There's some times in your life the only person that's going to pray for you is you. Don't you feel guilty. Don't you back up. Don't you belittle yourself because the same Jesus that died for me and died for Bishop Miller and died for T.D. Jakes, the same Jesus that died for us, he died for you. He died for you wherever you are, whatever you're into. And so the scripture says we come boldly into the throne room of grace. You hold your head high and you say, Jesus, I need you. God, help me. God, don't turn your head away from me in the midst of my trouble. God, renew in me a fresh spirit. You hold your head up high, honey, because it's okay to pray for you. Now, I want to share some practical ideas for you, and then we're going to go home. So we're really kind of talking around the subject of prayer. These are some ideas that I have learned that helps me to keep faith in, or excuse me, prayer in its proper context. And so I've learned this, that quality is always better than quantity. But there are times when quantity is required. Quality 
is always better than quantity. But there are times when quantity is required. And so Jesus could heal the sick with a simple word. But if I may be so bold, the reason for that is, is we know clearly that he would spend extended times alone and in prayer. The scripture says it this way, as was his custom. That means he had a habit, he had a routine, he had a discipline, a lifestyle of prayer. And so he built himself up for the pouring out. He went into his father's presence, was filled up, charged up, rejuvenated, restored, refilled, so that when he went among the people, he could pour, 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 pour. So if Jesus had to focus on quality and make time for quantity, then guess what? We will have to do the same. And so if you want to pursue quality prayer... I would say this, the road to quality is consistency. Consistency. And so this is a broad generalization, and that may be a bit dangerous, but we'll, we'll risk it anyway, trusting that you'll hear the heart behind it. It would be better for you to pray five minutes every day than five hours every now and then. Better to pray five minutes a day than five hours every now and then. Because consistency will cultivate quality. That was worth the trip for somebody right there. I'm just believing that there some bad ideas about prayer being broke off of you. The road to quality is consistency. And so how do I know that I'm in quality prayer. How do I know I've just done that? How do I know? Here's some thoughts for you to consider. Don't focus on the feeling while you are praying. I call it this, focus on the aftertaste. Because prayer is like cutting wood. When you cut and you cut and you cut, and anyone who's really busted wood knows it's a full body exercise. You extend it all the way and you squat and slam with everything you've got, time after time after time. And after you've busted a cord of wood manually, you're sweating, your legs, your back, and your shoulders are screaming, Can we please stop this? I don't like it. But you know, we got to have some wood or we're not going to make it through February. Prayer, a lot of times, feels like that while you're doing it. So you're out there busting wood in the cold and you're like, This is terrible. I hate this. But then three hours later, when you're sitting by the warmth of the fire in the rocking chair, holding Sweetie's hand with some, can we just imagine, a big old pot of chili stewing on the Dutch oven while the snow drifts out the window. Guess what? That's a good feeling right there. And you're really glad that I was willing to go out and bust that wood. And then Holly, she just likes to rub that big old arm, just big swolled up. She's rubbed back. She say, baby, I love the way you bust that wood for me. I say, you just stick around me, mama. It's going to get warm all right in here 
tonight. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Y'all ain't never busted no wood. And so did you know that prayer is like that? You don't like it in the moment, but focus on the aftertaste. Focus on the after effect because sometimes when you're praying, I don't like this, your flesh is thinking of 50,000 things you need to do. But if you'll focus and pray and be transparent, then guess what? You look around later that day, the next day, three days later, and you've got some energy. You've got some spirit in you. You've got some vitality in you. Why? Because you've been with Jesus. So don't focus on the feeling. Focus on the aftertaste. So if you focus on needs in prayer, your prayer relationship will become transactional. But if you focus on the heart, your prayer relation will become a prayer relationship. So you don't want transactional connection with the Lord. You want relational connection. And the way to do that is by talking about praying your heart. And so here's something I would say about praying your heart is that for prayer to stay life-giving, it needs to be honest. You didn't hear what I just said. For prayer to stay life-giving, it needs to be honest. Good, honest prayer sometimes is pretty short. Let me give you an example. God, I'm afraid that this will happen. God, I don't want to do this. Jesus said, Father, if there's any way to let this cup pass from me, that's what I'd like to do. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. That's a simple honest prayer but it's got power because it's honest and so it takes some practice it takes some doing to get used to being honest right down to the heart and to the core of you but it's okay to start with your feelings focus on being honest God I don't know what to do God I need help God I don't know who to trust will you show me Who to trust God, bring me the people that you need in my life. God, I'm trying to love my wife and I feel like I'm failing. Lord, please help me. You hear the honesty, the simplicity? That's real prayer. Not, oh Lord, high above, creator of all that is or ever will be. Please throw down from heaven through thou holy catapult. And breakest upon this brow. Even God's in heaven going, dude, I'm eternal, but can you get on with it? (laughs) Be honest. And if you wax poetic, that's okay. So if you focus on a prayer life of quality, consistency, focusing on God... Doing so through honesty. Here's what starts to happen. You start to pray prayers of faith. And can I suggest something to you? Faith-filled prayers can move mountains. Come on. My brother right there felt that. There's lots of kinds of praying, but a faith-filled prayer can move mountains. I need to remind you, stick with it. Stay after it. Pursue that faith-filled prayer because when you get it, when you find it, when you learn it, you can move mountains. And so being consistent 
in our prayer, we learn this. That when you're praying a prayer of faith, it's not about leaps of faith. It's about steps of faith. My good friend Shadrach said that to me one morning when we was having coffee. And that just that helped me and blessed me so deeply. God's not asking you to go from where you are to the end in one prayer. A good way to pray is, God help me today. God help me to trust you today. God, help me to love you today. God, fill me up with what I need for today. And here's what happens as you walk day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out. You start looking around. You start going, he was faithful to me every day. He's faithful on Monday. He's faithful on Wednesday. He's faithful on Friday. He's twice as faithful on Sunday. And so then when the big obstacle comes, you've got faith in you stored up. You've got the wood cut for a a hard season and you can look at your mountain with your shoulders back and your head held high and you can say the same God who helped me kill a lion the same God who helped me kill a bear he's going to help me kill this uncircumcised Philistine I wonder is there any veteran believers in here help me testify for just five seconds that he's faithful every single day My daddy said this to me one time, and I love it so much. He said, pray every day, all day, as if one day you will be tested so deeply that only Jesus will get you through it. That's pretty good, Greg. That was good, Greg. Pray every day, all day, as if one day you will be tested in such a way that only Jesus can get you through if my band will come. That's not a fear statement. That's a reality statement. Can I get some people to wave at me and say, I've been through a time and a season where even my spouse couldn't get me through it. My kids couldn't get me through it. The boss couldn't get me through it. Only Jesus got me through what I went through. And so here's my counsel to everyone who's listening to me. Don't wait until the obstacle comes. Prepare every day. Honest. Focus. Clarity. Faith. Do it every day so when the obstacle comes, you're ready. You're ready. And so simple faith-filled prayer may sound like this. Lord, teach me. Lord, show me. Lord, fill me. Lord, help me. Lord, don't leave me. Lord, give me mercy. Give me compassion. Give me love. Give me joy. Give me peace. Those are the kinds of prayers that get God's attention. Does that feel okay with everyone? Now, we would be remiss to talk about prayer and then not practice. Stand on your feet with me, please. The scripture tells us clearly that when we come together as brothers and sisters, when we come together corporately in the house of the Lord, that we have a clear precedent to pray for one another, that there are needs that are present, and that we should pray for one another. Does that feel all right? So let's do that. Don't make it weird. Don't make it awkward. Just grab the hand of the person beside you or gently, politely put your hand on their shoulder. 
And if you don't know what to pray, you can pray what I pray. So it's kind of like a bicycle. You can let me be the training wheels until you get some speed up. Okay, if you do know what to pray, then you just go for it. So let's maybe start here. If there's anyone in the room that you need healing, I'm believing for healing in my body, just wave your hand at me. Just wave. Don't be ashamed. We're not going to point you out or embarrass you. Hands, 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 hands. So here's what let's do. Let's pray for healing for one another. Can you do that? Help me pray. Lord, I lift up my neighbor to you, my brother and my sister in Christ. And Lord, I echo and confess over them your scripture that says you bore stripes for our healing. Jesus paid the price for your healing, brother. He paid the price for your healing, sister. And so I call you the healed of the Lord. Now, speaking authority, I speak to your body and I say you be healed and you be whole from the top to the bottom, inside and out. Sometimes it stirs your faith to be specific. I speak to bones, to tendons, to organs, to the heart, to the mind and to the nerves. And I say you be healed in Jesus' name. Now, don't be ashamed. You be bold. You be healed in Jesus' name. I speak to that body and I say you be healed and you be whole in Jesus' name. Who here is believing for a lost loved one who's turned aside or just lost, not serving the Lord? Who's believing for loved ones and family? Wave at me. Believing for family and loved ones. Hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we lift up and we call out them that are lost. We call out their name, so call their name. And we declare over them, they will be saved in Jesus' name. We claim them for God's kingdom. We say they will be saved and that they will serve the Lord. Now speak in authority. I take my place as a son and daughter and I command the plan of the enemy against their life to cease and to desist in Jesus' mighty name. You let them go. That is not your person. Those are God's people. They'll know Him. They'll serve Him. And they'll love Him the longest day that they live. Who's believing for financial breakthrough? Who needs poverty to be broken off of your life? How many know we serve a God of abundance? We serve a God of abundance. And so you don't have to pray for your own breakthrough today. Your brothers and sisters are going to pray it for you. Come on, wave at me if you're believing for a breakthrough in prosperity. Lord, I lift up my brother and sister to you. And in the name of Jesus, I break off the curse of poverty off of their life. I declare over them, they are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They're blessed coming and they're blessed going. And that Jesus will meet every single one of their needs. I speak it and I decree it in Jesus' mighty name. Who in here says, preacher, I want to be a person of purpose? Who will say that? I'm hungry to find and to live out God's purpose for my life. Come on, help me pray. I call out of my neighbor the purposes of God. Holy Spirit, stir up within them the sense of destiny. I call out of you, brother. I call out of you, sister. Every gift that God has given you for this world. I say, you be you, brother. You be you, sister. Holy Spirit, empower them to be and to do everything that God has made them to do. 
Can we give God some glory in this place? Now, we have some specific prayer needs in the body for some folk that are not here. And so I want to be able to call those names specifically, if that's all right. You got time to pray for some brothers and sisters this morning. Thank you for being so patient, but I believe this is necessary. The Lord laid it on my heart early this morning. And so I want to pray for Tia Self this morning. You all know that she's still recovering uh, surgically and medically, so we want to continue praying for her. We want to pray for our brother, Mr. Clifton DeHorney, who is still progressing through his physical rehabilitation. He had a massive surgery, and so he's still recovering. We want to pray that the Lord fully restore him. We want to pray for our brother, Curtis Singleton, who's had some very difficult times in the hospital here recently. Uh, We want to pray for Jovi Phillips. She's at home today with strep, and Jovi's watching you all. And baby Jovi said that she told her mama, so Eva texted me just a few minutes ago, and she said Jovi is so sad that she's not seeing her church family today. I believe we can make time to pray for an innocent one. Don't you think so? I think so as well. And then, uh, Jackie, I don't mean to embarrass you in any way. I wanted to do it earlier, but would you mind, Jacqueline Shaver, if I prayed for you this morning? So you can stay right there, Mom. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment here. And then we want to pray for our online friends that are joining us online. Can you all help me do that this morning? All right, flip you flip the faith switch on. Here we go. Lord, we lift up Clifton, Tia, and Curtis to you. Lord, we declare that they are the healed of the Lord. From the top of their head to the sole of their feet, their nerves, their skin, their muscles, their bones, their tendons are being restored right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray that your presence will be with them wherever they are today. And they will know that Jesus has never and will never leave their side. Lord, I lift up baby Jovi to you today. Lord, I speak to her throat and to her lungs and I command the mucus to go, the infection to go, the virus I command you to go. In Jesus' name, I say that she's the healed of the Lord and that she'll breathe deeply and breathe fully. In Jesus' name, we're praying for you, little Jovi, and I want you to know that the Gate Church loves you, my sweet little girl. And so, Lord, we lift up Jackie to you this morning. Jackie, you just received. This is what I felt to pray. Lord, I pray that you are giving her abundant grace abundant grace for this time in her life abundant grace and I speak over you Jackie that the mercies of the Lord are made fresh and anew every morning and so Lord I ask that you pour out on her for every need that she has that you are filling her up that you are populating her home, filling her home with your presence, that there's grace, there's mercy. I hear the Lord saying, Jackie, He's going to be showing you how tender He is and that God is not hard. He's not mean. He's not cruel. He's tender. His mercies are tender towards you. Not towards everybody else. Towards you, Jackie. The mercies of the Lord are tender towards you. I've been praying this all week, and you're who I've been praying it for. I didn't know that. The Lord's speaking to me. I hear the Lord saying, He's going to restore the joy of your salvation. And that He has for you a fresh joy in serving Him. 
a fresh joy in knowing him a fresh joy in calling out his name a fresh a fresh joy in praying to him worshiping to him there's a new season being stirred up in you Jackie I release that to you in the name of Jesus Holly, Elma, Miss Jill, please go pray for Jackie right there and encourage her and love on her. Church body, can we give some love to Miss Jackie? She's going through some things in her life that you may not know about that she is really battling and pushing through. Okay. So we've just got a live prayer request here for someone that is going to be having surgery this Tuesday. Can you all just help me pray? Lord, you see and you know exactly the situation that this individual is in. You see their heart cry. And Lord, we pray and we call out, Lord, be with them. Lord, we pray that you anoint the medical staff to do their job that they'll see well and that they'll have a steady hand, that they'll operate well. And Lord, we declare this, a full recovery and restoration in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. I don't know about you, but there's nowhere I'd rather be than the house of God in the middle of God's people. Amen? Can you help me do something? Don't forget that we have water baptism next week. If, you, if you've never been baptized and you want to fully commit your life to the Lord, we want to encourage you to do that. Uh, myself and Pastor Cole are going to be working together to baptize y'all. It's, one, it's mine and his. It's, next week is like holiday for us. We absolutely love to see people baptized. So if you haven't and you want to be, please sign up. We want to make sure we accommodate you. If you have family that has never been baptized and you know that they're a Christ follower wanting to make a full Uh, commitment to a new life in Christ we would be honored to baptize them as well so you can encourage them to sign up we're going to be doing baptism a little bit differently next week for those of you that are family we're going to make it available so that family will be able to be up close and personal with your relatives as they're baptized and so I just want to speak that encouragement if you have uh, younger folk that want to be baptized it's going to make it easy for mom and dad so can you help me do something on the way out of the door can we just give the Lord a shout of praise on the way out the door today I want you to know that Holly and I love you our team loves you God loves you. There ain't nothing you can do about it. We love you. Go and be blessed. Thank you, Online Gate Church family. We are so thankful that you decided to join us today. There are so many options, but you tuned in today with us. Maybe this is your first time that you got with us in the service, and you're wondering who is this Jesus who they are talking to about. This is our Savior and our Redeemer, and he wants to be the same to you. If you would like to find out more, please use the worship guide and send us your contact information so that somebody can can reach out to you. Aren't you encouraged today to know that God hears us when we are praying? We believe that you experience his power today in your car, at work, in your home, wherever you were, that you were able to experience the God that we are talking about. 
We trust for you to have an amazing week, for you to be able to find this time that Pastor Jordan was talking about, that we get together with God, that we pray, that we come in with our requests, and that we come in to find his peace, his joy, and his, and his laughter. We speak blessing over you, and we say we are looking forward to see you again next week. Same place, same time. And as Pastor Jordan said, we love you and there is nothing you can do about it. Have a blessed week.